hopefully that's not lulling you to sleep. <laughs> just the opposite. <laughs> just the opposite. I this that that's uh, completely different than the Polish punk metal. Maybe we should just leave it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It sounds like we're on an elevator. <laughs> no, this is nothing like elevator music. No, but that you know, I was I was just reading in this power failure book uh, about music and stereos and instruments and how. The stereo is designed for easy consumption, whereas the instrument is designed for mm. joy and others, mm. love of others, and and it's it's sort of it's reinvigorating my my question of the device, as he calls it, the device paradigm yeah. of technology. Yeah, and even I mean, this is so yeah. like ironic, right? That we're talking yeah. about this on I a know. podcast I know. I know. after we listen to yeah. this amazing. Yeah. I mean, what was that? A guitar, guitar I assume. Guitar, yeah. um, a guitar played by someone who I don't know, um, brought up on demand. Yeah. I didn't have to learn how to play that. Right. You um, didn't. You didn't need to know someone that knew how to play that to teach me how to play that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. It's. It's. Um, there's it, something very sad about. And that. it changes. I think it changes the way that you listen to music. Absolutely. So. Um, when you know this is going to be the last time you will ever hear Shabeg Shamor. <laughs> By, uh, what, what was the guy's name now? We just looked at it. Uh, yeah. um, if you know that that's going to be the last time that you're going to hear it because you can't hit the little back circle button on YouTube to, right. to replay, right. uh, you're, you're going to have a different experience. Uh, of of listening to it because you know that yeah. everything that comes is 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 passing and, and you're not like thinking oh I can I can go back and re-listen to that yeah yeah and there's something about the way that I see the world because I have a s- computer with YouTube mm-hmm. that's diminished yeah because I don't have you know John Doan playing his harp guitar yeah. for me on uh, yeah you know and. I mean, if we want, can we just wax and wane just for another second? Okay. <laughs> yeah, just so, another second. So I think I think um, we we, we uh, as um, uh, Christopher Lash says in one of his books, mm-hmm. the um, we live in a um, uh, a society of spectacle. That's not his phrase, but he uses that. And we have um, thought of our lives as the 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 opportunities for pictures. For, mm-hmm. for for photographs, mm-hmm. and I think especially now for movies, right? Mm-hmm. And so that we think, uh, oh, you can always kind of go back and rewrite or redo something, and so that there's not this lasting, like eternal permanence of of existence of your life in what you do, because we we are so used to living on a computer that if you don't like something, you just highlight and quick delete, where if you're handwriting right. something or if you're typing something on the typewriter, you can't just highlight and backspace and hit delete. Right. Um, and, and I think it, it sort of changes the way we think about maybe responsibility. Or history. And history. And, My and, own history. And, and, and prudence and deliberation. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so. Which is, uh, last thought on this, <laughs> which, which is why I think maybe that, that, that drives us to have a, a mobile society, um, but it also stems from a mobile society. I mean, it's like a vicious circle. But the fact that the f- the fact that we can move, you can delete all the people that you've ever sort of had real experiences with by just moving. 
Yeah. I mean, just yeah. move across the state, move across the, the country, move to another continent, yeah. and you can start everything over. That's mm -hmm. the delete button, right? Yeah. Rather than having yeah. this permanence of place where when you go to church next week, oh gosh, we're not going to go to church next no. week. <laughs> no. Let's not get into that again. No. <laughs> but if you were going to church next yeah. week, guess who you would see sitting in the same pew that he always sits in? That dude that you had an altercation with, that you're going to have to either right. see him for the rest of your life. And be confronted by your, your past. Your yeah, history, yeah, be confronted by, by, your, by your stupid mistake. Or you're going to have to ask forgiveness and you're going to have to re-enter into that community with love. Right. But if you do that to enough people um, and you have a mobile society, hit the delete button and move to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Right? And then you're, then you're good to go. Yeah. Um, and then when you do it in Washington D.C., hit the delete button. You move to Portland, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. and and you you we desire to to be ahistorical, which I think means we we desire um, to be personalityless. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't have a, a personality. Be, well, because we ultimately think that we just create a personality ourselves. De novo from you know. uh, ex nihilo. Yeah. De, yeah, de novo de novo ex nihilo. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean. That's yeah. what we think, but yeah. anyway, Nissa, Nissa, I'm sure Nissa. Would, would be would be token on but, this. Stuff but this that is we're but because here. he begins. He begins. I mean, I, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the history, but he begins yeah, yeah. with with a, the history of Moses. Moses is right. Moses well, is he history. begins with horse races, but well, horse races, <laughs> horse races. That's right. right. But he does. Yeah, he. <clears throat> he so yeah, the, the entire most of the reading that we did today was sort of a recounting of Exodus and Numbers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what happens to Moses in his lifetime. And, and, and I'll kind of explain why I think that is, or we can talk yeah, about why, yeah. why, why we think that is. Um, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of um, an introduction to this work. So um, we're getting into the last two works. The two, I always say well, not always. I guess sometimes I, I actually function historically, but not normally because I'm not philosopher. <laughs> I function systematically. <laughs> and so so I, I save what I think is the best for last, um, at least what I think will be the best for last. Now, the, the Life of Moses I've read long ago when I was young and stupid, as many of our listeners are today. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still stupid. I'm just old and stupid. Um, but I, Hopefully, at some point you'll say, "I remember reading the Life of Moses when I was young and stupid." And yes. now, now it makes more sense. Yeah, and now, now I'm I reading kind it of again. Understand what Shinkevich was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that's the hope. That's the hope. And I hope that someday I'll think, "Gosh, what I talked about in that podcast was so stupid." Now I really yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's because we're perpetually progressing into truth, right? Yeah. But but I read this long ago when I was um, in. I think it was for. I think it was for grad school. So I was probably, let's see, let's guess I was 23. When I was 23, some of you maybe were not even born, which is very interesting to think about. Um, I think I was two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was actually including you in the not born people. But, <laughs> but, but I, I remember being moved by this work when I first read it. And I'm as I'm reading the same copy that I read before, and I'm reading with all my notes still in that copy. But I didn't take as extensive notes back then as I do now. And so sometimes I'm adding to my notes. Sometimes I'm wondering why I wrote what I wrote. And, and sometimes I'm shocked that I didn't write anything on something that I think is really important. So it, it's a real sign of, I think, um, sort of the historicity of our yeah. own discovery of truth, right? Yeah. 
and it's and it's fun to do this in in a very incarnational way, reading yeah. the exact same text that yeah. I had read when I was younger. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, but this is, I think this is going to be uh, one of the best of the works that we read from Nyssa. I also have very high hopes for the Canticle of Canticles commentary, which I've never read any of. So um, I I have even higher hopes for that one. But I think this one's going to be amazing. Um, and we've already seen a little bit, I think, of Gregory's explanation of um, Old Testament figures as being exemplars in some particular way, mm-hmm. of living a philosophical life, living a monastic life. Um, so I think that this is uh, this is sort of the the long version of some of the stuff we've already seen. Um, so the the uh, translation is done by uh, let's see Abraham Malherbe and Everett Ferguson. Very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> with a yeah, very fitting. With a uh, with the preface actually by uh, John Meyendorf, who uh, is was I think he's still around um, an Eastern Orthodox uh, Russian Orthodox priest. Used to teach at St. Vladimir Seminary, was mm. friends with uh, Alexander Schmemann, mm. um, and actually, I think, delivered Schmemann's funeral homily, homily, from what I remember. Yeah, no, I think he is still living because I think he um, uh, was one of the translators or editors or wrote an introduction to one of the new popular patristic oh. Vladimir books. Okay. I think. Was it the Catechetical Discourse that we read? Maybe. That sounds mm. vaguely familiar. Mm. I don't <laughs> have it with me here. Mm. It's probably. Has coronavirus crawling all over my office. Yeah, you got to let it sit there for two days. <laughs> two weeks. Two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks, two weeks. <laughs> well, maybe two days I mean, if it's on a book. Yeah, not, not on biological matter. That's right. <laughs> but uh, but Meyendorf, I had to read his preface, of course, um, and, and it was actually very interesting. Um, his explanation, if you, if you have a chance to, it's only three pages, less than three pages. Uh, it's worth reading. Um but he has this this uh he talks about the fact that Gregory um is obsessed with the what he calls the parabola of a Christian spiritual ascent. Um and in this ascent we're we're trying to acquire, which is in some sense gifted, in some sense acquired, right? There's sort of mm-hmm. this is like what we were talking about a couple of classes ago, this this correspondence between effort and and gift. Um, to acquire um, the spiritual senses. Uh, this is on preface number th- Roman numeral 13 here. Acquire the spiritual senses which allow him to perceive through communion in Christ and the Holy Spirit the one who is beyond creation. But at the same time, even though we're seeking to understand the ineffable or to encounter the ineffable, to know the ineffable in the way that you know the ineffable, which is a, a distinction that Gregory already starts making, I think, right. in the stuff we've been reading. Um, even though we do that, we still recognize that, and this is, again, 13, but the God, and you're going to like this, Jager, the God who is perceived by Moses is still the God of Israel, the totally other, the living and personal God, not a philosophical idea, not the one of Plotinus. Right? And we've been talking, you and I have been talking about yeah. this. I don't know if we've been talking about this on air or not, but about the about Plotinus's understanding of being, which is in some sense uh really really in line with christian thought and in other and and and, and in a very fundamental sense not yeah. because of its sort of maybe not 
knowing nor caring about yep. the creation that's flowing yep. behind it. <laughs> it's, it's the immovable magnet towards which all things strive right. for perfection uh, and find their perfection in it. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't go out. It's, it's, as Ratzinger would say, self-centered. It's self-centered. Yeah. All it thinks yeah. about is itself, which is a great thing to think about. Because <laughs> it is the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, of course, Plotinus wouldn't necessarily say the best thing, right? Like, yeah. As yeah. in, like, a right. thing, right? But, mm-hmm. but yeah. we've talked about this, too. Right. Um, but, but also, probably the, the main theme, I think, of the life of Moses, from what I'm remembering from when I was young and stupid, um, is this idea of perpetual change. Oh, I should have started with yes is perpetual change today. Um, <laughs> I've been talking about that nonstop. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can end with it, Dr. Yeah, Jager. Maybe we can pull it up here, okay? On our on our device paradigm here, <laughs> we're going to continue going here. Uh, but uh, Meindorf brings us out also the the, the introduction, um, which is written by um, the translators, uh, brings us out a little bit as well. This idea. This let, let me go to Meindorf because he does it in a more concise way here on thirteen at the very bottom. Communion with God is a constant ascent from glory to glory. There it is, the Dan- mm-hmm. the Danilu quote, um, yeah. which th- and this is of course from Paul that that comes from, not not directly from this one. Each step of this ascent ascent includes the joy of further expectation, the knowledge that he is al- he always remains greater than anything we can know of him, and also that he gives himself to man without setting any limits because of his own inexhaustibility. Thus, in meeting God, there is never frustration or satiety, but only the discovery of true love. So I I think uh, if we sort of remain in our post-modern Western categories, maybe modern Western categories, um, then we think a perpetual growth into God is an unsatisfactory reality. That it will be frustrating. That it will that we'll never actually get to rest in the fullness of Him. But the way Meindorf explains it, and I think probably he's 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 interpreting Gregory accurately. We'll see as we move forward. But that the fact that there's never a final rest, rest understood as I've got it all now I'm done, is not actually a frustration, but is a joy. Because there's always more to discover, and that this is only true in some sense in in love, as yeah. as as Meindorf points out. So, so you can you can approach <coughs> the evermore in, in in two different two different ways or two different um, uh, angles, if you want to put it that way. Um, one leading to the the evermore as glory to glory as you know fullness into fullness uh-huh. where the alternative would be to approach to approach God in the way of I'm lacking him uh-huh. and I'm moving into that uh, that which I'm also going to lack and so you so you 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 recognize the progress in terms of it's it's emptiness or it's lacking or it's or it's not not um, um, per, if you want to say perfected because you, you the, the way you're thinking of it is perfection in terms of uh, um, com, com, completion right or perfection in terms of actualization act- potency right. or something like that yeah uh, um, and uh, and and I think 
you, you, when you think of like change, you think you know, you're going from a, a potency or privation to a completeness, and then it turns out that what you're doing is you're making um, fulfillment be in that end state, not in the transition state. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's, that's a unique way of, of thinking about perfection, um, where you think of it as um, not that there's an emptiness lacking that you have to move into, but that you're full, but can be fuller, right? Or can be made fuller. Right. Um, or even that the movement is itself the fullness. Yes, which is which is actually what what Gregory seems to suggest. Right. So it's kind of. It's, I mean, it's, not suggest. Seems to, he, he, he says it. Say, yeah. He just says so it. So, and, and a, a real concrete example would be, you do you do like great acts of of love for your your friends, and you think, what's the goodness uh, consist in? It consists in um, uh, making the outcome present or real, but but I think that the um, we've <laughs> we've <laughs> we've moved from a <laughs> did you show you no 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 nothing wrong at all we moved we went from a dialogical conversation. Darius and Kevich had to move a chair, and uh, I found myself. <laughs> <laughs> monologuing alone, for a second. <laughs> alone. And I can monologue when other people know I'm monologuing, but none of you knew I was monologuing, and it just felt dirty. Well, this, this, is, this is what happens when you do a uh, podcast in your basement and you still have family members coming yeah, down to, uh, it's, to it's, ask questions and, and, and need your help. No, so. it's, very, it's very real. <laughs> that, there was something very real about that. Yeah. So, but but I, I think, I think the, the, the way we think of, of – uh, perfection is it's what you get as a result of this 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 activity so friendship yep. consists in what what comes about as a result of me baking bread for my neighbor mm -hmm. or something but but it's 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 actually in the baking of the bread itself and the giving of itself not not what results right where the friendship right. lies right or where the love or perfection yeah uh consists and i think um what what you do um, uh, and I think Ratzinger would be all over this. The, yeah, he would be. The um, the idea of the 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 full actualization movement is for the 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 completed actualized state. Whereas I think what Nissa is saying is no, that's that's to think think about perfection in too isolated of a manner. It's more dialogical. It's more mm -hmm. in the communion or in mm -hmm. the in the relationality, not in the not in like the the end. Or, or the means that's right. in the and, and and of course this 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 goes back into in the the same sort of idea here is that heaven is not a reward for things that you do now right um, and this is going right into Nissa right? yeah. if you remember I think it was last class we were talking about this right um, on what it means to call oneself a Christian when he said God is not far away in some distant place right right yeah um, instead he's here and therefore if one lives the life of contemplation the life of of, of philosophy mm -hmm. then one actually is living heaven right, right. Um, and that it's not distinct from that right as mm -hmm. some as some extrinsic reward um, like like when when maybe Maybe not you guys, but us. When you when you promise the kid the donut after mass, right. <laughs> if he just shuts his mouth for goodness' sake. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Uh, By the way, you know who else would be all over this is Maria Montessori. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, so I, two more points, and then, and then we'll get we'll get to the text here. Um, the dating on this text is, um, and the dating on these next two, basically the last text we're going to be reading this class, spending a lot of time on these, um, is the end of his life, right? Really in the last period after he's, he's, he's sort of come off the world stage, Chrysostom has, has now become the, the bishop of choice for the emperors. Mm-hmm. He's come off the world stage. He's sort of like hanging out in uh, Asia Minor um, and, and realizes that his life is coming to an end. And uh, it's time for him to think about um, more like ascetical theology is really really what's yeah. going on here. Right? Yeah. And some sort of spiritual theology that he's getting into. And so these next two works are, are really, we're talking 390, 390 to 395, somewhere between uh, in the last five years of his life. Um, and, and so I think it's important to recognize what we're reading now is his most mature thought. Um, and it's interesting that the themes that he goes to, he, he sort of, I guess he kind of leaves the doctrine aside uh, or, or the Christological Trinitarian debate aside and goes instead to what is the implication for life yeah. on, on this, right? Yeah, because I, it's in, he, he doesn't seem to be defend, like trying to defend anything. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. He, he, this is this is. It's not a polemical work, from no, what I from, can tell already. From right, I mean, from the very beginning, from the very beginning of the reading for today, um, he he points out his own humility in saying, um, you know, I'm I'm asked to to, to 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 do this for you, but I I myself seem to be lacking. Is it, that was in this one, wasn't it? The, mm-hmm. I you you want to know about the Christian? Um, I think he does this in in the other work we just read on what it means to call himself a Christian but it's it's in here I believe as well on uh, maybe the third paragraph um, I am at an equal loss about both things uh-huh. it is beyond my power to encompass perfection in my treatise or to show in my life the insights of the treatise so uh-huh. I think he's saying this is this is a, a, a an essay for you but it's just as much an essay for me uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and it's interesting that right from the get-go it's beyond my power to encompass perfection in my treatise. Now, he's not saying, I stink at this. Right. Although he might be saying that in the second part, or yeah. to show in my life the insights. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, he's saying something about perfection itself already here. Right? Mm-hmm. And of course, this is, this is the theme that he starts right. into right yeah. here. But before we get to that, we're, we're almost, yeah. there. We're almost yeah. there. Last, last point I want to make is this, is, is something that um, the ancients and the medievals did that, that we've completely lost, which I think um, you can, uh, in your own life, um, and therefore, because you are a relational being that is connected to all other things, um, in the world, you can resurrect this. You can, uh, and, and what I mean is, is, is a reading of the Old Testament um, as Christian, real yeah. Christian sort of spirituality, real Christian understanding of right. how, one lives, how one lives one's life. Right. Because I don't think we don't do that nearly as much. But if it, you if you look at the father, especially like, yeah. look at Origin. What what did Origin write all of his stuff on? It's like Leviticus. Yeah. I mean, that's like what he spent tons of time on. And and whereas normally when we pick up the scriptures, what do we do? We go to the last you know seventh of it, yeah. the New Testament, right. uh, which is really yeah. important, yeah. right? Yeah. And and reading the Gospels, we should be doing um, a little bit every day. I right. think, mm-hmm. but. The fathers of the church did not understand there to be, in some sense, a dichotomy as we do between the Old and the New Testaments, which I, I hear DeLubach talking to oh, me I right know, now. Right? But instead, when you read the life of Moses, you are reading 
the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, not that Moses is Christ. Not that Moses isn't Christ. Yeah. But that, but that Christ, that the scriptures are all, they are all a revelation of him. Right. Just like all being in it, some real sense. And I, one of the reasons, at least for me, why for a long time I was hesitant to read the, um, the Old Testament as um, sort of a creative, like to, to give a creative spiritual interpretation. Mm-hmm. I was I was always worried, but I'm 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 reading it the wrong way, or I'm reading it mm-hmm. um, like a Protestant, which I kind of was at the time. But <laughs> but I, I I was sort of a, a Protestant that realized you know I don't really know much about anything. Yeah. Um. So I I can't I can't. I don't have I don't have the permission to to, to, to to let the scripture speak to me because interesting because we have like a um, an inability or at least I had this inability to know exactly what it was saying and so I I, I thought no I can't I can't like touch it in, in some ways and I think there's it's like a, a, there's like a tyranny of scientism yeah on exactly top of exactly that, right? and and I think that that's that's un, unique for Catholics because we think. Mm-hmm. No, those scriptures are ineffable. The scriptures are inerrant. I can't interpret them. I shouldn't interpret them in any way that leads into uh, a reading that that could be false. Right. And I think um, we, we we take our scientific method and apply it to something that shouldn't be given a science that shouldn't like undergo that scientific right. methodology. Right. Because the scriptures, I think, should be read. And this is just sort of my. I mean, there's multiple ways of reading it, so it's not like one way, I think. That right. Should be, but a very fruitful, important way for Christians to read the scriptures is as, as a narrative, as a, as a story. And I think uh-huh. this is what the fathers did, is they said, listen to this story. And they didn't really, and they kind of assumed that it was all real, uh, that it all happened. But I mm-hmm. think they weren't really that interested in the histor- historicity of it. They right. were more interested in, what does this mean about my life? In Christ, sort of the, the the parableness or the moral of the story. Yeah. So when, so when you read it, and then I think you can say, but but what is the real moral God's trying to speak to me? And I think yeah. what you can say is the, the 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 movement that you have. Here's what here's what God's trying to speak to you in the scriptures in the in, in Leviticus is that if you read it and you come to love Christ more deeply, then you've gotten the meaning of the scripture. Exactly. And 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 the way that that happens is is, is in is in true prayer with him. Yeah. In the midst of this reading, it's it, it's 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 dialogical. I speak to him and he speaks to me when right. I read yeah. Exodus. And you, but you have to have this openness, not not he he's going to speak to me according to a particular scientific system that that I because right. I didn't get a PhD in hi- historical biblical theology yeah. I, I i'm completely screwed now yeah um I, th- I think you have to have this freedom this sort of openness and it's it's risky you 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 might actually give a interpretation that later on down the road you realize that's ah, probably not the best interpretation to give of this but yeah. there's a sort of this openness but, it, because but there's, there's what, a risk to asking the girl out too yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> I, yeah. Mean, I mean and i and i purposely put in that context yeah. because we're, we're talking about a relationship of an interpersonal of, relationship of love yeah, yeah. right so yeah. But I cut you off. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 for th- that's the, the scriptures became much more interesting and spiritually rich when I realized I don't have to give the, like the the scientific 
right. explanation, and well, that's that's not yeah. like the that's not the like the the primary the primary meaning is love right. of God, right? But that's and I, and I think I think this is why this is because we have have forgotten the ancient medieval insistence upon the spiritual senses of the scripture, right? right. That, that that the scriptures aren't just they don't just say one thing and that's it and you can't believe anything yeah. else about them, but that there's multiple layers of meaning and yeah. that there's personal communication with yeah. with cultures and peoples yeah. that's being made there. Um, yeah. This is why DeLubach, by the way, wrote four books just on medieval yeah. exegesis. And if anyone has any extra time to pray, please uh, pray for Dr. Maturowski, who is currently translating the fourth volume <laughs> of Delubach's yes. uh, medieval exegesis. Uh, having already translated two and three, somebody yeah. else translated one. But and it's, um, it's like 800 pages. Um, <laughs> when, when you said pray for him, I thought you were going to say he had coronavirus. No. So here's my suggestion to you, is, is that you take this opportunity in reading the life of Moses to begin to, to read Exodus and Numbers in a way, uh, in a spiritual way. So, like you, uh, hopefully, if you're not doing this already, uh, start now. Hopefully, you're reading the scriptures every day. Um, what I suggest to do, unless you've made a pact with God over Lent or something, <laughs> but then you could add this on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I suggest to do is really to read Exodus and Numbers, maybe a chapter a night, mm-hmm. while reading Gregory, um, or maybe for the rest of Lent, and think about the way to interpret scripture, think about what Gregory has to say about Moses's life and uh, think about how you read scripture and, and how you need to talk to Christ mm-hmm. and how you mm-hmm. need to live your life yeah. with Christ in the midst of yeah. even, dare I say, even Old Testament scriptures. Right. Right? Yeah. Can, so. One last point and then we'll move. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- this is, this is, this it's is very sh- fruitful. This I is think. a shout out to, to Dan Hubbard out there. This, okay. is, this is for you. So in the Brothers Karamazov, Dostoevsky. Oh, let's um, go. Cool. Yeah, we got to talk so about Dostoevsky. Got to get Dostoevsky <laughs> up in here. Uh, uh, he, 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 when Zosima is talking right before he dies, he, he's talking to his father. He said, um, here's the reason Russia is becoming atheist, because you're not talking to them about the scriptures. And don't worry whether or not they're going, whether or not they come to understand it. They will understand it. Everyone knows what it would be to throw your brother in a well or to sell him into slavery. Huh. And he goes on, he says, they'll, they'll know the meaning of the scriptures because they're, they're, they're Russian peasants. They, <laughs> they know it. That's awesome. They're, they're the best interpreters of scripture. And so huh. he says, just read, read it to them simple. And he says, especially the Old Testament. Um, huh. It's very interesting. He says, especially huh. the Old Testament because it's, it's the story of, of, of the... the um, Basically, it's like the story of the prodigal son, which is the story of each. I mean, I think Dostoevsky is basically playing out the life of Moses for a thing. It's the, uh-huh. the leaving and the coming back. It's, it's the, the story of um, sort of the preparation for, um, for love. Right? Yeah. Um, like per, or, it's like the, 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 the more it's, it's the story of, of, of love, of like moving into to, mm-hmm. to greater, um, to greater depths. Uh, and so uh, this is this is something that I've um, really appreciated in um, uh, uh, in Genesis. Even I mean, like the whole the whole story from Genesis up until uh, Exodus. I uh-huh. think you get that whole that whole tradition, and you realize just how much how much is like in the history of of the 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 the, the, the mosaic Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you realize. 
the, the reason they're here, like this whole tradition is, is in Egypt. This whole people is in Egypt because of this one guy who almost died yeah. in, in like a, like a, like a cistern yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? because his brothers um, were going to kill him. But one of the brothers said, no, don't kill him. Right. So the whole, yeah. the whole people, <laughs> the whole tribe of Israel is saved by is this saved. one afterthought. Yeah, this yeah. this one afterthought of this one guy who had this small little like insight of charity towards his brother, right? which 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 gets back to our original conversation about music, um, because it it puts weight on the actions yeah. of man. Yeah, right? yeah. There's a weight, and there's 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 perhaps a, and and this is again I was reading this in Power Failure. This, there's a cosmic weight. Yeah, and this, this that's very Dostoevskian too. Right? And this is uh, the the Easter Easter Vigil Mass. All the readings, it's all salvation history. You don't fully get, you don't fully get the weight of love in, in the life of Christ until you see, the labor pains. Yeah, uh, and and of course one of the big readings is the Exodus. Exodus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses. So. So good. So read your Exodus and, and don't worry whether or not you understand what's going on. Yeah, you will. Yeah, and whatever understanding means, mm-hmm. um, as as Gregory's going to point out. So so let's <laughs> we've we've had some great conversation. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, let's let's dive into um, some of the text here. Then all right, I, I'm fascinating with his beginning of, with horse races. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the way that he talks about somebody at the horse race. I mean. Either say horse race, Chiefs game, same exact things going on here, right? Um, and this this idea of the person in the stand who is encouraging the other with something that is even in a sense unseen and unknown, except as as a giant sort of decibel rating, if you right. want to put it that way. Uh-huh. But um, that that's that's what Gregory says. Interestingly, is what he is doing to his buddy. Um, who in the introduction is identified as – hold on, let me find his name here. Um, who did he write this to? Caesarius, um, which uh, we know nothing about except that in one of the titles, one of the ancient scripts, the title is to Caesarius, and one of them says to Caesarius the monk. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what we know. Yeah. And it's, but I think that's interesting because right when I read this first paragraph, I thought, is he saying I'm the one who's in the crowd cheering you on because I'm the married one? I don't know. I don't know if he's getting into that again. Yeah. Or if he's kind of doing the, mm. the, the humility thing where he's saying, you know, my life is not like your life could be. And, of course, this guy's a lot younger than he is, right? Or maybe he's saying me as a, as a bishop, as a – as a, as a as a priest as uh-huh. a father uh-huh. and cheering you and on. cheering you on yeah. as as the youth who's just starting really right. but but he almost immediately gets into the question of perfection can, can I just on that analogy yeah, yeah. Just point, Plato uses something very similar in I believe it's the apology I think the footnote um, talks about this oh. actually uh, no it's not footnotes they're endnotes which is why I don't look at them yeah <laughs> sticking <laughs> endnotes but I, I I do but it takes me a lot longer to get through the, these works I think it's in the in the um, the apology I don't know if uh, oh no he, he talks about Fi- uh, Philo it looks like he talks a lot about Philo in here because Philo wrote a life of Moses as well which Gregory is uh, kind of dependent on but but the uh, uh, he, he says the gods the gods are are, are um, sort of cheering me on as not as they want me to change what I'm doing, but to to, to like encourage me uh-huh. 
on what I'm already doing. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, so it seems like that's what's happening here, right? And um, But he gets right into this idea of perfection, and, and he says this really possibly depressing thing. Um, of course, well, before I get to that, um, paragraph 5 on page 30 here, uh, the perfection of everything which can be measured by the senses is marked off by certain definite boundaries. However, however, the perfection of virtue, its one limit of perfection is the fact that it has no limit. Or as he says uh, on, the, uh, on the next page, how does he put it? Um, he, he puts it the in The perfection a, of human nature consists uh, perhaps in very growth and goodness, or is it? No, that, that's important too. Oh, here it is on, in paragraph eight, right in the middle. The one limit of virtue is the absence of a limit. Oh, right. yeah. um, and so w- when we think about virtue, I, I, I always am sort of struggling with myself. When I hear the word virtue, I think of things that we get, which I know is not a right way right. of thinking about it. Instead, we should really think the perfection of everything, going back to five, everything which can be measured by the senses is marked off by certain definite boundaries. But I think when we talk about virtue, what we're really just talking about is perfection of the human person. Mm-hmm. Right, and that the, the perfection of the human person has no limit. And he quotes he quotes Philippians three thirteen in paragraph five, straining toward those things that are still to come. And uh, this is the the Greek term epiktosis, mm-hmm. which is going to be, in a sense, you know, it seems like some of the things we've been reading with Gregory, he picks like there's one scriptural passage that's going to be the one thing he talks about. Yeah. Right? So on the making of man, it was Genesis one twenty. It's like the chorus. Right? Yeah. yeah, and so the chorus here, I think, is going to be Philippians 3.13, that we are straining toward those things that are still to come. The epictosis, the straining forward, seems to be not just something that we do in this life, looking toward heaven as a place to get to. Mm-hmm. Gregory was going to reject that, right? But instead, it's always moving forward. Forward, always forward. <laughs> forward. <laughs> um, so he says, he says in paragraph 6, um, just as the end of life is the beginning of death, so also stopping in the race of virtue marks the beginning of the race of evil. Yeah. So it's not that you run the race of evil. It's that you stop in the race of virtue, and that is running because, the race because of Because you put, a bo- you put a boundary to it. Yeah, and you stop changing for the good. Mm-hmm. Once you stop changing for the good, you're going to change for the bad because by nature, as a creature, according to Gregory, mm-hmm. you're changing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says at the top of page 31, right? The, the last sentence of, of six, I think, is, is where I saw – this is probably going to be the theme of the text. I said that it is also impossible for those who pursue the life of virtue to attain perfection. The meaning of the statement is to be explained. So he says, yeah, I know you're seeking perfection, um, Cesarius. I know that's, that's your goal in life. But guess what? You ain't going to attain it. <laughs> well, thanks for the encouragement at the horse races there, Gregory. Right? But I think, I think what he's saying, and, and he explains this in the next few paragraphs, is the reason that you're not going to attain it is because it's not a kind of thing that can be grasped at. Right, right? Right. It's not a kind of thing that you can grab. Instead, because perfection of man is, is entrance into God, who is himself infinite, right? which is what he says in paragraph seven, then your perfection is infinite. You don't have a limit to your perfection. Right. And that's not saying that you can't have perfection, but we're going to have to understand perfection in a different way. Yeah, per- yeah perfection is going to be transfigured. Yeah, which is what he says in, in paragraph 10 here, right? The perfection of human nature consists perhaps in its very growth and goodness. This sounds hippie, man. This sounds hippie. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not 
it's not the destination, but the journey that matters. Right? I mean, I, I, I feel like I can see a, a, a Disney heroine saying something along these lines. Yeah. And um, back 10 years ago, I'd be rolling my eyes at it. Now I'm like, damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's right. <laughs> I mean, at least that's what I'm. That's 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 how I think now, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's 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 interesting that his explanation of perfection before he gets into anything mm-hmm. is it's not attainable in the way of attainment that we normally think of when we seek to attain things. Rather, its attainment happens in its pursuit. Yeah. And then, but, but he he also goes on to say. You should not despair in light of the fact that you can't attain or obtain um, um, perfection. Mm-hmm. On nine, paragraph nine. Although the on the whole, my argument has shown that what is sought for is unattainable. What you seek is unattainable. One should not disregard the commandment of the Lord, which says, "Therefore, be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect." Right, and then that's when he goes on to to, to talk about. Um, what perfection consists in is in the, the growth in goodness. And so mm-hmm. what is it to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect? It's to um, um, move into the, the, the infinite goodness, mm-hmm. which is infinite. And therefore, it's not limited. And therefore, it's not something that you can attain. And this is – it seems to me that this follows perfectly from his anthropology. Because his anthropology is that man is, well, being a creature, he's finite. And being a creature, he's also, by nature, changing. Mm-hmm. And so the perfection of man can never actually be a resting in some finite um, fullness. That's, right. that's, that's, that would be, I think he would say, that would be hell. Right. Or, or actually, he would probably say that would be non-existence. Because to exist as a creature is to be a changing thing. Yeah. And so if you're always going to be a changing thing by your nature, you cannot be human unless you're a changing thing, right. according to Gregory. Then it seems like then the only way that, that, that we could actually talk about perfection or heaven or union with God or the beatific vision or whatever you want to say, it's going to have to be a perpetual changing to the good. Forward and forward and forward and forward and forward. Right, right. Leaning, leaning, the leaning forward, right? The, the epictosis. Is the perfection? Yeah, you're yeah. not leaning forward toward perfection. It is the perfection. Yeah. And if you want to th- put it in, in Trinitarian uh, mm-hmm. terms, the, the, it's uh, not, which we always should. Want yeah, to it's do. The father, the father doesn't have a uh, uh, okay. I've given all I can give, and that's it. Yeah, right. And the son doesn't doesn't uh, say, okay, I've received all I can receive, and that's you know, when are you going to stop giving so that I can like be done receiving? Yeah, um, yeah. The father. Yeah, I mean, I think we could say this, and, and I don't know if Gregory's going to say this somewhere or if, or, if, or if he would be scandalized by this, but I don't think he would be. The father is just epictosis. He's leading toward the son. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. That, that he's not anything but that. And right? I think that's why man is in the image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think in, in some sense you have to make a distinction because you have to say the father is epictosis in a way that is beyond change. Right. Yeah. Um, and right, he, right. but but I think this is just what again From, Gregory's Gregory's Western twin means when he says that 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 they're subsisting relations, right? Yeah. Augustine, or or from glory to glory, yeah, from glory to glory, right? Whereas with God, it's it's always just.
from the fullness of glory to the fullness of glory. Right. right. Um, in this not 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 sort of uh, inactive, right. um, unmoving, mm-hmm. but in 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 a dynamic beyond beyond movement, beyond motus, beyond change. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that being said, <laughs> uh, he goes on and he says. Um, he talks about Abraham and Sarah, interestingly, and he says, look, we've got an example for a guy and a girl. That's perfect, mm-hmm. which which actually I kind of – that stood out to me because yeah. it was saying yeah, yeah, to yeah, me yeah. something about like gals and – guys and gals are are, uh, are perfectible and can look to Abraham and Sarah as their models, and it was in, each it, to his own. And that seemed to, to somewhat run contrary to what we saw in um – the uh the making, oh, the making a, man. a man yeah where he 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 sort of sees uh an amorphous man mm-hmm. um and so it's interesting that he he identifies human virtue in in the the the, the distinct sexes yeah the corresponding example of virtue for each sex as he puts it in 12 mm-hmm. um I mean, this is this has sort of been an issue that we've been dealing with yeah. this whole class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to say in the end Gregory just gets it all right. right? I, I don't yeah. know if that's true. Yeah. But, but, I, but I was very enheartened yeah. to see this commentary here. But, but the main reason he brings it up isn't for the, for the male-female thing. But the main reason he really brings it up is to say um, this is how and, – and, and, of course, this goes all the way back to the life of Macrona. Yeah. This is how we know what it means to be perfect. We look to the example mm-hmm. of the Holy One. Mm-hmm. And and he has this very interesting uh, interlocution with this, uh, with this objector on, on 14. Someone will say, how shall I imitate them? Since I'm not a Chaldean, as I remember Abraham was, nor was I nourished by the daughter of the Egyptian, as Scripture tells us about Moses. And in general, I do not have these matters, anything in my life corresponding to any one of the ancients. So you might look to Moses, you might say, "Wow, his life is way different than mine." And he was an and, and if you and if you're really thinking like culturally and sort of in this postmodern understanding of yeah. of how culture constitutes the person, then he like I don't even know what he thought because he was so different than me. Right. Yeah. But Gregory's like it doesn't matter, right? Because yeah. in a sense he doesn't put it this way, but in a sense we are all human. We all have the same final end, which is moving towards God, right? And so he says the circumstances are in some sense accidental to the nature of the thing that we're talking about, which is the human. And so we have to look at people, um, even though they might be from other cultures and other times, because they are still the same thing that we are. And therefore their living of a life of holiness or of, of perfection or of epictosis is, is, is going to be how we have to live our lives too. So, No comments. I feel like I'm talking a lot here. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I had, a, I had a comment a little bit later on about something. Uh, okay, well, but, uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I thought that that was um, similar to uh, yeah, we saw it in Macrona. Oh, and then in the encomium on uh, uh-huh. Basil, uh-huh. where he he goes through Basil as Abraham and Basil as. Isaac and Basil, as, mm-hmm. and he, and he, he mm-hmm. sort of says, as look, Paul. "Look how look how Basil." Peter. So if you if you if you praise all those people, yeah, um, right. So I, I and he actually kind of says he was better than those yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is which is very interesting to say. And so I, I think that I don't know if you remember that uh, this is something I've been mm, sort of 
toying with in my head throughout the semester, but the idea that each individual person to be to 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 be um, Christian is to sort of play out all of salvation history in your uh-huh. in your life uh-huh. such that you become like each of these individuals, but in your own context, right? Because they provide a sort of an exemplar which is this universal exemplar. Mm-hmm. And so what is it to play out the life of Moses, to play out the life of Sarah, to play out the life of Abraham or, or, or to Paul? Play, it's, play out the entire, the entire people of Israel. Yeah, the people of Israel. I think ultimately it's to play out the life of Christ. Right? Right. It's, it's, to, it's, to, it's, to, it's to ultimately, no, not necessarily in, in, in the sins and what have you, but um, right. um, I, think, I think what he's saying is that's, what, that's, that's why when you, when you look at this individual um, you 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 sort of have all that's needed to come to know all that's needed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and it, I think, but even with the sins, I mean, we do say things like Jesus became sin, right? And what yeah. do we mean by that? And mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, you know, Jesus dies and descends to hell. Um, yeah. You know, of course, Balthazar is in the background of that, but but I think that there's something drastic about that to say that. That even the sins of Israel, the patriarchs, me, in some sense, correspond to the playing out of reality yeah. that happens in Christ, which is, I think, radical to say yeah, in yeah, some yeah, sense, yeah. but maybe not that radical because yeah. it's 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 really pointing to reality as it is. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, in paragraph sixteen, he gets into his long history of Moses, where he. You know, parts part. Some of the times when I'm reading, when I was reading this, I was like, "Okay, I can read Exodus, man. I know I, I can figure it out." Mm-hmm. But I, but I think what's happening here is is not just a here. I'm going to give you the Cliff's notes so you don't have to read all this, right. and then and then we can talk about the spiritual implications. I think what what's happening here is that he is highlighting mm-hmm. the aspects of Moses's life in Scripture that he is going to talk about later in a spiritual context. So, so in a sense, this might be. I, I mean, I'm just thinking about this now, um, and thinking about Delubach's um, medieval exegesis. Yeah. Maybe this is just. I'm going to give you the literal sense first, um, because because that's important, and that's what yeah. everything else is based on, right? right? And this mm-hmm. is that's his very day verbum, right. um, which of course is very Delubach. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about the things that really matter, <laughs> yeah. which is an interesting way of putting it. But I but I think. I think that's what he's doing here. Is is he is he begins with this? Let's let's talk about Moses's life. Let's get that literal sense down, and let me highlight some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. And interestingly enough, there are places in here where he he can't hold himself back. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he starts giving his spiritual interpretation already. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and, and I should make this comment as as I say, spiritual interpretation doesn't mean ghosty kind of interpretation yeah i i think i think what gregory would say is this is the real meaning yeah right? and i think the fathers would say that and i think that's what you were saying yeah. earlier too right, right right so so i think this i think this is uh this this history of moses is an <coughs> interesting one um but i think what's most interesting is that he is bringing out already the things that he's going to talk about in depth in book two yeah and if there's a book three, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I think there's. There might be a book three. <laughs> but uh, anything that you saw in this that you wanted to bring out? Um, well, there was, once again, the the uh, reference to, this might come up again, but I uh, was one of the, one of the, maybe it was 
against Eunobius or one of the uh, on the Holy Spirit, something along these lines. Um, on page thirty-six, the idea of all the elements, yeah, um, uh, like an army. So when Moses saw that all the subjects agreed with their leader in this evil, he laid a blow upon the whole Egyptian nation, sparing no one from the calamities. Like an army under orders, the very elements of the universe, earth, water, and he names them, air and fire, yep. which are seen to be in everything, cooperated with him in this attack on the Egyptians and change their natural operations to serve human purposes. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be like what, what, what you have with Moses is you have this figure who brings all of physical reality. Now I think what he might go on to say later on in the spiritual interpretation of this passage or this part is he's bringing all of physical reality, even the earth, the air and the fire and the water into his divine plan into his, uh -huh. his And so, it's a, it's a figure of, 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 the, of, of Christ, a figure of, uh -huh. of um, what we saw uh, when, when we have the descent into the elements. So as, uh -huh. to, you know, so as to rise up through them all and bring them all. Resurrect all the uh -huh. all of material reality. Uh -huh. um, I, I, when I read that, I thought, okay, he, he seems to be setting up a point um, later yeah. in, in, in this, this explicit paragraph on control of the elements here. yeah and, and and of course you're thinking that because you've already read his yeah i've, I've kind of seen Catechetical him do, discourse talked about that i've too. seen him do a spiritual interpretation of of the elements of the elements yeah. in general yeah uh, so. yeah and what's happening in christ like yeah that. but it's interesting to see moses moses is is doing that yeah you know another thing that i that he he, he brings up a lot in, in this that i was i don't know where he's going to go with it but it seems like there were th at least three different places where he used, he talked about blood being the, yeah. um, how does he put it, um, the appeasement, appeasement by blood. I don't think it's appeasement. What's the word that he uses? Um, but he begins when when Moses, Moses is coming back to Egypt, right? And shedding of the blood. Salvation was assured to them by the shedding of the blood. Yep, that's that's on um, thirty seven. Yeah. Um, but before that, um, here it is, appeased, 35. Uh, this is paragraph 22. Moses went down to Egypt. He took with him his foreign wife and the children she had borne him. Oh, yeah. Scripture says the angel encountered them and threatened death. His wife appeased the angel by the blood of the child's circumcision. Then he met Aaron, who had himself been brought to God to this meeting. So uh, in a number of places, he talks about there being an appeasement by blood of something right the angel the wrath of god yeah. whatever but there seems to be this um and, and and this kind of i mean i think we thought about this kind of stuff before uh, not in this class but just as christians in general yeah. in, yeah. in the postmodern world right um you know it's the blood of christ that saved us right um yeah. but but he seems to bring this up a couple of times he talks about it in the passover as well um that this appeasement by blood, this appeasement by, I, I don't know where this is going, yeah, but I just yeah. noticed that, yeah. and I thought, I should yeah. highlight this for later. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed on the same page 35 on the top, mm -hmm. the lifeless sandals, you have to take off your lifeless sandals, which were made out of the, the end note. I did read this end note. Yeah. Uh, it was made out of dead animal skins. Yeah. Right? So, you, so I think, I, I have a feeling this is going to be the asceticism, the philosophical asceticism needed in order to approach God. That right. You have to sort of put put aside the body 
before in some in some sense, not in a Cartesian sense that you've got to like kill the body. You have to sort of put it put it in its place, put it put it where it is, and therefore move to God in the proper mode of doing so, which right. is not going to be through the passions. And 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 of course that language matches his Adam and Eve understanding of when they sinned, then they were yeah, they were clothed, clothed in, exactly. in dead skin dead skin of animals. Yeah. Um, and so the lifeless sandals, which the foot or the end note says that uh, it was dead animal skins. Yeah. Um, it's gonna come up I think later when when we get into that. That's as they say, rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one more another thing, I can we just are we just talking about interesting things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I liked. Uh, I mean, we don't have to play out the life of Moses historically, do we? No, okay. no. I, 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 well, I mean, I mean, maybe as Christians, I just wanted to bring out what I thought were the most uh, yeah. important parts that so, uh, the way that he talks about yeah. things sometimes, because I, we kind of know what happens as Moses, and yeah. if we don't, we're going to be doing the spiritual reading of Exodus anyway. Yeah. yeah, you should go read. You should go read um, uh, Exodus. Yeah. Um, uh, if, if you don't know the details of yeah, the life yeah. of Moses, but on page forty-two, uh, I liked. I liked his description of the the um, when they went up Mount Sinai, the people mm-hmm. were afraid, and Moses was more afraid than any of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, like the people were there. Trembled. He trembled. You could see his trembling, as he says. And what was what was interesting is because from from what I remember, it was because of the people seeing Moses as afraid that made them even like more afraid. Yeah. And then once the people, the people were like Moses, we can't handle it here. Yeah. We've got to get down. Yeah. And they said, but you stay here and you hear what God wants to say and, and we'll – you relay it to us. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, so he does. And then once they leave, Moses calms down. Yeah. Which is – which is um, Yeah. He says he, says he did something opposite of what most people do, right? This is on page 43 at the top. He was more courageous after he'd been left by himself. Right, and and so he says the fear was out of sympathy for those who were terrified. Yeah. Which, which I think points to some sort of – understanding of love yeah but it was what i thought was interesting about it was that he was terrified for them but their being terrified was because they saw moses like they didn't even know their own um um like state of of like they didn't really understand what was going on so they couldn't actually be terrified in the real event that was occurring they had to like see moses as worried for them to be worried. For them to realize, I should be worried. Yeah. Which yeah. is really interesting. So Which means that he's the guy who sees... Reality. Reality. Yeah. 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 He yeah. understands what's going on. This isn't just loud noises and, you know, right. you know lightning bolts and right. flashes. And, which, and which, which is exactly what, what paragraph 46 and 47 get into, actually. He talks about how moldly, Moses then boldly approached the very darkness itself and entered the invisible things. Right. Here's this, 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 these two paragraphs right here really get yeah. into this idea of the darkness of God, right. which is a big thing for, for Gregory, apophaticism. Yeah. Right. Um, but he specifically says that, that he, he goes beyond all that is visible and the divine is there where understanding does not reach. So he sees by not seeing, right? Yeah. Um, he, he's, he, he's able to see because he's blind. Um, that I think that's 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 going to be this whole page. I think is a really important page, page forty three, yeah. in understanding where he's going to be going with Moses here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that uh, I I highlighted or underlined everything on page forty three except for about two words. <laughs> and I and I showed my wife. I said, 
I usually I make fun of people that do this, but when it's all good, you've got to highlight it all. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is in contradistinction to page forty two, which I see is not that yeah, highlighted. Yeah, there's, there's something <laughs> But I, I liked on the bottom of 43, uh, paragraph 47, um, uh-huh. uh, these were the teachings concerning virtue, the chief of which is reverence and having the proper notions about the divine nature, inasmuch as it transcends all cognitive thought and representation and cannot be likened to anything which is known. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the, 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 the proper teaching concerning virtue uh, the highest teaching concerning virtue is this reverence for uh, God's divine nature as it transcends anything that we could we could know. So, mm-hmm. so I think to, to the, the foundation for the movement from glory to glory must begin there. Yeah, right. It must begin with that. Yeah, and, and in some sense, it almost consists in that, right? Because here at the bottom of that paragraph. Um, he should believe that the divine exists and he should not examine it with respect to quant- quality, quantity, origin, mode of being, right? This is the, like the, all, the, all the ways that we, right. we look at being. Uh, I'm thinking of Aristotle's category. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, we shouldn't examine it that way be- since it is unattainable, right? And it goes back to that language of perfection right. being unattainable. So right. if God's unattainable and, and, and our perfection is God, then our perfection is unattainable. But it's not – but that doesn't mean that, it can't, that we can't be perfect. That perfection is this movement towards something that cannot be grasped. Do you? So then, after, uh, after, um, after that, towards the end of forty-eight, he says uh, the, the the there were the two the two laws, um, or I mean, really, in some ways, one law, but two: the general and the specific. Uh-huh. Um, the general is the law which is destructive of all injustice, namely that one must love his neighbor. Mm-hmm. Now. I mean, I, I, it's been a while since I've, I've, I've read this in scripture closely, but it's not necessarily love of neighbor. It's, it's love of God, isn't it? And, and like, Well, there's both, right, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? The great commandment, the two, uh-huh. love God, love your neighbor. Uh, Jesus actually, I think what he does is, although I don't remember exactly, I think he combines two texts from the, old, from the Pentateuch. Okay. Love God and love your neighbor. Um, but here, I don't know, well, I'll have to look at Exodus again, but here it seems to say this is where the love of neighbor thing comes in. Okay. But there's an equation between the two, right? right? And Gregory's going to, I think he's yeah. going to, I think he's going to see that from what Will, yeah. Rowan Williams says about him yeah. that I'm remembering from my spiritual theology. Yeah. I, I was wondering if what he was going to do in the spiritual, this might just be in the explicitly in the text itself, but I was thinking from this commandment of the Old Testament, he was going to interpret it in a way that leads to the love of God is the love of right. neighbor. Yeah. I, uh, I, th- I'm thinking he will, because yeah. I, I'm, I'm, from what I remember, Rowan Williams kind of explains him that way. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I think it'll be, I think it'll be cool. Well, one last point here before, before we move out of here. Um, and that's, uh, I, I want to point out the fact that it seems like as you go into sort of the wandering in the deserts, uh, as, mm. as, as he talks about it, uh, one of the one of the interesting things that he seems to keep pointing to is w- when the people of Israel stray from God, it's because of their enslavement to passions, um, the, the pleasures of the table. Uh, he talks about um, the, which, which, if you don't read anything, read read the story of Phineas and Numbers. Um, 
the licentious passion mm-hmm. for their female captives. Um, it's always some sort of a the desire for meat, right? It's always mm-hmm. some sort of a desire for lower, baser things. Sweet meats. Sweet meats. Yeah, sweet meats. Exactly. That's that's what seems to always continually lead them away from God is, is their lower passions. And so we see we see Moses as being the person that that isn't led away that way, and he always leads them back to God by leading them away from these things. Right. Right. And and sometimes it's by harsh ways by. Okay, God gives you tons of quail. You eat them and you die because you eat too, too much. Many, yeah. yeah, and um, that's a sign that 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 the, that the desire for food in an in, in, inordinate way is is death. Right, right. right. So I think that's I think that's important. Yeah. Um, last, I said that was the last point. This is the last point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I was going to say. I want Go you ahead. To end, no, I went, no. I was going to say you should end on on that. Yeah, we should end, we should end on number uh, yeah number seventy six on page fifty. Um, as he talks about Moses dying and, and not having a grave, right? Um, he says, Time has not harmed his beauty, neither dimmed his brightness of eye, nor diminished the graciousness of his appearance. Always remaining the same, he preserved in the changeableness of nature an unchangeable beauty. I, I think that that just is a way of capturing what it means to be in the image of God rather than just being God. Yeah. Um, to, in the changeableness of nature, preserve an unchangeable beauty. Right. And, and Plato makes a similar point in the Timaeus that, that the, um, uh, the, the created world is a moving image of, of eternity. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's why, that's why the Demiurge create, uh, formed the world as, as, as he did, was to make a moving image of eternity. Right. But only by perpetual change, right? Which gets us to the end of our talk here.